ladies and gentlemen. Pay attention. This is your boy, the coach from the WWE. I would like to welcome you to the very first wrestling podcast in the world to take you on a weekly deep dive in the classic matches along with legends of the squared circle. Enjoy the discussion. Enjoy the back and forth. There's so much to get into. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the payoff. Jeff, it's 420, and so we got to give tribute to our man, Rob Van Dam, the whole effing show. Jeff, the, how uh, are you, buddy? I'm doing great. The fans couldn't see us, but we both did the uh, RVD motion, uh, even though we're both sitting here uh, by ourselves. But that's okay. Um, yeah, you have to. 420, it was only appropriate to uh, celebrate uh, really uh, uh, just a, someone who's been in the industry for a long-ass time. Mr. Monday Night. Rob Van Dam and Jeff Hardy. So this should be an exciting one to talk about. We haven't uh, haven't talked too much about either of these guys, so this should be fun. First match, well, first match for Rob Van Dam, right? Uh, yeah, because we've covered a lot of ECW stuff, and he may have been involved in some of the stories, but actual match that's his, this is the first time, yeah. And then Jeff Hardy, we covered recently in the latter match. That was the only Hardy match, right? Yeah, and Jeff so, and that was, of course, like Jeff Hardy. That was at the beginning of him being just a crazy madman. And so, um, but really good either way. And so, yeah, this is an exciting one to kind of talk about and get into. And, um, you know, we're trying to bring a, bring you those kind of post-WrestleMania matches, as you couldn't tell. And so, this is just exciting stuff. So, of course, as always, uh, you know, subscribe to the payoff wherever you listen. Give us those five stars. We love seeing everybody that's listening, kind of tuning in, interacting with us. That's great stuff. And it's on that social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, yeah payoff pie you know how it goes you know where to find us we're out there so um tom what else you got right now dude nothing let's get let's get into this and uh is our is our tribute to rob van dam we're going to cover uh one of his more memorable wwf matches i'm excited so i you know we we looked at the calendar and you know we always try to pair up certain dates certain anniversaries with some significance and and obviously we wanted to do this one for Rob Van Dam but i thought this match would be interesting for a few reasons first of all it's one of the more memorable WWF WWE matches that Rob did so i thought that that would be cool to cover um it's kind of a forgotten match to a certain degree and I, i'll tell you man like this show sucked. This was the only good thing on it. So I wanted to revisit some of the invasion WCW ECW stuff that they did. Um, so it's, it's an excuse to do that an excuse to cover a really good RVD match that, that maybe you've forgotten about a little bit. And uh, yeah, that's, that's why I wanted to cover this. What about you, man? Yeah, and this was uh, – we haven't really even talked about it a, a ton since you and I have been doing the show, but this was really that crazy time uh, in WCW, WWF, ECW, where everything kind of came together, that we really should have had the best of every single world. Um, and, like, you know, literally – every wrestler practically on the planet outside of, you know, the kind of new Japan and kind of those promotions, like they were here, like we were getting them weekly. And so it made like one, this card, and we're going to talk about it. Like the names on the card and kind of where they're at now, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense why this didn't work as well as it could have. Um, and we can point some fingers that, you know, who was running the show or still running the show. But, but I think that this is one of those where like, we should have had the best of the world 
um, when this was happening and going on. And it's just, you know, I'm excited to kind of dig in a little bit more. Well, it's just a shit show of stuff happening because we're coming off of, you know, this incredible WrestleMania and the XFL is happening and WCW goes out of business and ECW goes out of business and we're trying Steve Austin as a heel. And now these WCW and ECW guys are coming in and we've got this big final, you know, collision between the WWF and WCW, but Sting's nowhere to be found. Goldberg's nowhere to be found. The NWO's nowhere to be found, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So just a crazy time in the wrestling business. So with that, let's get to the build. Oh, it's time for the build. All right. So we're at the Gund Arena in Cleveland, Ohio. Jeff, this is a, a building that I've been to many times for Cleveland Cavalier games. I've been to a handful of uh, wrestling shows before. There was even one day I went to a Browns Steelers football game and then went over to Survivor Series that night. So some fond memories of the Gund Arena, now known as the Q, but this one took place July 22nd, 2001. So, you know, I would mentioned the timeline a little bit, but we have this, you know, Shane McMahon on the final Nitro. That's all taking place in March. And then this storyline progresses to get us to this invasion pay-per-view. Now, up until right before, they obviously weren't going to call it the Invasion pay-per-view, but then, you know, that's where the storyline went. So they switched the name of it. They gave it this branding. And Jeff, I don't know if you remember or not, but the cover to this was that picture of half of Vince McMahon and half of Shane McMahon. Yeah, it's definitely one of those cooler, I would say one of the cooler ones, at least they kind of played up the angle and the story and kind of what was happening at the time. And um, I, I, I enjoyed lately, and I'm sure wrestling fans out there see it like recently, those uh, the Twitter posts of like, can you identify the pay-per-view by the poster? That's one that you can identify by the poster. Like it just, it, it's obvious when you see it. Oh, uh, um, immediately, immediately. And I, you know, I, <laughs> I just saw that again today as I was, you know, doing my prep for the show. And I'm like, I can't tell if this like picture is really cool or really creepy, but usually I think it's pretty cool. And I think it's a little, it's too. a little of both, but that's okay. Yeah, it's, it certainly is. Right. <laughs> right. So let, let's go through this card again. You know, Jeff, we, you and I were, were young pups living through the, the Monday night wars and we finally get some semblance of a face-to-face, right? Yes. God, can you imagine if they would have just, let's say, 97, 98, they said, you know what, we're just going to do a super card and we'll make both promotions look strong. You know, one won't go over the other. But can you imagine if they would have done that, the pay-per-view number that thing would have done? It would have been like, even nowadays you see some of these like crossover events and things happening, like the draws on them are just gigantic. And so especially when it was in its heyday, like in this would, you know, 2001, I would have been about to graduate high school on this one. And so uh, this is when I was watching everything every week. And so, yeah, it was, you know, this is when they were pulling giant numbers. Yeah, well, and, and so you imagine like 98, not even, you know, if we would have gotten that face-to-face, I mean, you know, you do the Austin Goldberg, you do all those matches, my God, I just you can't even imagine the pay-per-view number it would have done. It would have been like a boxing number. But here right. we are three, four years later uh, after these Monday Night Wars have, have fizzled out, 
and we get this pay-per-view. Now, Jeff, the number for this pay-per-view in terms of pay-per-view buys, it's the largest grossing non-WrestleMania pay-per-view in WWE history. 770,000 people buy this show. Which is insane. So I know it's popular for people that worked for the WWF to say, oh, well, WCW, we didn't get the talent and there was no interest in the brand. There was interest in this pay-per-view, even if the build wasn't great, even if the talent on it isn't great. I mean, they still got almost, you know, three quarters of a million people to buy this pay-per-view. So it's just crazy to think about the interest was still there. And if they would have gotten the right talent and would have booked it the right way, you know, what could have been. So let's quickly run through this show. Okay. It kicks off Edge and Christian defeating Lance Storm and Mike Awesome. Ten-minute tag team match. Okay, keep in mind for for years now we're clamoring for this. You know, WCW versus WWF face-off. We finally get this pay-per-view, and what's the second match on this pay-per-view? Earl Hebner defeating Nick Patrick. Two referees going face to face with Mick Foley as your special guest. Earl Hebner in, you know, uh, her submission specialist, you know, uh, you know, in the ring. Yeah. I can't really say that. I mean, come on. Like, again, you know, it's just ridiculous. And I understand, Hey, we didn't have all the WCW talent. We didn't have sting. We didn't have flair. We didn't have Hogan. Okay, fine. I get that. But at least get let some of the better workers go out and have a damn match. Don't go referee versus referee. So, so stupid. Then we get the APA defeating Chuck Palumbo and, and Sean O'Hare. Uh, Billy Kidman defeating X-Pac. Okay, two cruiserweights, decent match. Fine. Raven defeating William Regal. My God, okay. Then Chris Canyon, Hugh Morris, and Sean Stasiak of the Alliance defeating the, the wonderful tandem of Albert Big Show and Billy Gunn. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> then, then we get then we get to Jiri defeating Taz. That to Jiri was an ECW wrestler. Why is he with the WWF? Look, the Alliance needs all the talent it can get. So at least put to Jiri back on the Alliance. At least get you know maybe you put X Pac back on the Alliance. I don't know. You get some guys over William Regal. He was a WCW guy. I mean, maybe try to transfer some talent over there. Yeah, just how they kind of laid some of this out. You can tell it's just the crazy Vince booking. It's really what it boils down to. They have the world of talent like this and then not know where to put it everybody. Oh, this undercard sucks. Um, Then we have Van Dam and Hardy, uh, the match we're going to cover, the only good match that actually took place on this show. Then your standard Divas match, uh, and I don't say that to be derogatory. That's what they called them. They were Divas in a brawn panties match with – Mick Foley, again, is a special guest referee. Trish Stratus and Lita defeating Tori Wilson and Stacey Keebler. And Mick it's just working a, hard that night and is the uh, special referee. It's just amazing to think, you know, what, 18 years later, Trish Stratus and Ric Flair's daughter would have an awesome storyline, awesome match at a SummerSlam. <laughs> I love how, too, like back then, like this was one of those, like is, the numbers they were pulling, like a bra and panties match on a card, you'd be like, okay, it's just another, it's another week of wrestling. Like there's nothing really that crazy going on. 
So then all the, you know, most of the actual talent they had is in this main event, which is Booker T, Bubba Ray Dudley, DDP, Devon Dudley, and Rhino of the Alliance uh, being accompanied by Shane McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, and Paul Heyman, because we had to jam as many McMahons into every storyline as possible, defeating Team WWF, which is Jericho Kane, Angle, Steve Austin, and The Undertaker when Steve Austin joins the Alliance. Yeah, it's just wah, wah. Uh, as uh, uh, Big E said in a, a tweet I saw. It was just that—that's a lot of uh, bumping meat in there. <laughs> like that's the, there's just a lot of people and a lot of things happening in that one. Yeah, that that one was a, a little crazy. Yeah, dude, it's just crazy to think about because you know that—that's the thing about Steve Austin is you forget how short his run is, right? Like he wins the. I mean, he had a great WrestleMania 13 match. He has, he wins the title at WrestleMania 14, 15 against the rock, 16. He's injured 17 against the rock. Um, you know, and then all of a sudden 18, that dud against Scott Hall and 19, he retires. My point to that being is that for as great of a run as Steve Austin had, man, there was some rough stuff after WrestleMania 17 up until the time he retired in 19. So those last like two years of his, you know, in-ring career were not the most memorable, including this bullshit. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's just like the type of stuff that like, again, like some of these names, like looking back, like it's crazy what they accomplished because it was some of the biggest names ever in the ring that are, uh, and even still some of them still out there doing what they do. Like, um, and even like, you know, I don't see any, any one of those names, like looking over them is not at least been involved in wrestling in the last year to some degree angle, maybe, but I guess I forget the exact when he left, but still he's been in, he was involved for a very long time. And so, crazy like the longevity of some of these guys and some of this stuff but just why it didn't click better i don't know yeah and so and you know this this at one point they were going to give a show the monday night show to wcw um they were going to make it its own promotion obviously that didn't happen they didn't have the talent to do that i understand maybe if you would have moved like the jerichos of the world over who had a tie to wcw even austin you know you could have you could have maybe had enough on there to be able to run a show but you know that's i mean that's what they could have done instead of having a raw and smackdown brand you could have gotten some equity out of this wcw thing maybe ecw is a third show at one point shane mcmahon wanted to make it an internet based show which which would have been really revolutionary back then but could have been really interesting um again it's all 2020 hindsight i understand that um but you really can't defend this shit. And that's where I, you know, like on Bruce's podcast, you know, they excuses for, you know, why they tried their best. And I'm like, man, there's a lot of things you could have done better during this. And then maybe if you would have gotten it up and running, then, you know, the Goldbergs, the flares, the, the, um, you know, Hogan's the world, their contracts would have ended with time Warner and they may have come up. So anyways, you know, I don't want to belabor the point, but it's just, it was, it was rough, man. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those, who knows what could have been, but this is the world we're in now. So we just kind of deal with it and go from there. So correct. Correct. So that's all I got. But, um, from a storyline standpoint, Jeff, how do we get to this pay-per-view and then this, uh, you know, one of the, the big matches for the hardcore title, this RVD and, uh, Jeff Hardy match. 
Yeah. And so there's a lot of just kind of, I say, oddness to this build. There's, there's almost too many players to get into this in depth, but um, like we said, this is obviously the invasion pay-per-view, which happened in July of 2001, late July. Uh, Something to keep in mind. And again, I kind of like to kind of lay out the timeline as I always say that this it's kind of, it was March of that year that WWF bought out world championship wrestling and so, and that's when you had like the night of champions and, you know, Vince McMahon, you know, simulcast, like dual simulcast raw is war and all this different stuff. And so, but you know, part of the big piece of this was Shane McMahon was, you know, storyline revealed that he bought WCW. Um, and so that was part of that. So what you had though was, um, you know, Shane actually Eating Vince. It was uh, WrestleMania 17 that April. It was a street fight. There was WCW um, talent in attendance, just kind of, you know, they, starting to lay that groundwork a little bit. But that summer of 2001, really May, June, July or so, is when you started having and seeing some of those wrestlers getting involved in WWF pay per view. And so, was, or yeah, WWF programming and pay per views. Um, you, you know, it had Booker T uh, interfering with the King of the Ring match and, uh, you know, almost costing Steve Austin the title. Um, it really had that summer Shane declaring that his, you know, he owned WCW. So he was going to invade WWF. Um, and that was really the start of when you started to hear some of those things. Um, it actually started with, it was kind of the classic, it's a kind of a cool one to see with Booker T uh, giving the scissor kick to Vince, if you remember that one. And so um, that was a good one. But that summer, of course, it was, and, and the, the post, well, we all know the pay-per-views have had many names over the years. I still uh, bring back, you know, balls of fire, you cowards. But uh, it was had been fully loaded up till this point, but with everything happening, you know, now we know it a lot of times is backlash. But um, it was fully loaded, and then they changed it to Invasion because you were going to have these cross-branded um, different matches and things happening. And so, of course, the goal was to figure out superiority, all this other stuff. They had all this talent. They had all these things to do. But really, what the goal was here is to figure out, like Tom said, you know, who could, you know, what matches and kind of cards and shows did they want to have and kind of who was involved. So it was a weird time where you had like WCW commentators and ring announcers and things like that changing of grass. It was just odd to kind of see um, live in action and kind of things happening. A lot of matches not well received just because of how everything was happening, but uh, you kind of had all that. So what you had though was, um, you know, all these different, you know, we're still just in WCW and WWF, but, um, what you had though was a, a match that was playing out. It was uh, a street fight with Shane and, and DDP, but then you had all these different people getting involved and some of the people that got involved. Um, and at the time was, we didn't really know what was kind of happening or what was going on, but you had like, you had Lance Storm and Mike Awesome, but then also Rob Van Dam and Tommy Dreamer showed up, kind of made their way to the ring. It looked like they were going to go after Lance and, Mike Awesome. Instead, they attacked some of the WWF wrestlers. You had Paul Heyman on commentary, and then that's when he kind of announced that ECW was joining the invasion and that they were going to be a part of this, lead the extreme stuff. So then you had like Raven, Rhino, some of these other guys defect back to ECW. So you had really the invasion inside of an invasion that really wasn't an invasion now that we know kind of what's happening in the 
you know, the curtain has been pulled back after all these years. And so um, you, you had Shane really cooperating um, with Vince against ECW, which is, you know, how you got some of these matches and how he had his wrestlers. And so that's where some of these things kind of came together and who they refer, who they kind of represented. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but that's wrestling for you. And so that's what they did. And so, um, but you also had WCW and ECW merging and just all, all these really weird ways playing out, but it finally kind of capped off with Heyman saying that he wanted to bring back wrestling. He wanted to destroy sports entertainment uh, by giving the WWF his last rights. And his, his kind of famous, the promo was death to sports entertainment, death to WWF. And so um, the two guys didn't really have a whole lot of back and forth themselves before this. It was more the larger brands. It was more the, 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 you know, the titles, if you will, the DECW, WCW, you know, all them coming together that gave us this match really on just a card. Like we said, that wasn't great. It was just a lot of different wrestlers that were kind of put together and you had all these different angles of everybody coming at each other. So there was a lot happening, but this is, you know, this is how we got to this point though. Weird stuff. Yeah. You're, you're telling me, man. Um, right. God, I, I, it's just brutal, brutal. So while you were talking, I, I just went through the card, okay? And th- again, this is this is in just a few minutes. But the the argument the argument has always been, hey, we just didn't have the talent to be able to make this thing work, right? Let me and again, I, I did this in I did this in two minutes. So pardon me if it's not perfect, but I, I just want to give you an idea. If you shuffle up the talent on this show, let me hit you with a card I just put together, okay? Go. Your main event is Shane McMahon and Booker T against Vince McMahon and Steve Austin, Mm -hmm. with Mick Foley as the ref. You can still do the Austin heel turn if that's important to you. Yeah, post. Yeah, I get you. Undertaker versus DDP. I'd, I'd watch that. Kurt Angle versus Rhino. So, yeah, like I, I'm all for you. All still, yeah. you still do the RVD versus Hardy match because it was awesome, right? Give me Chris Jericho versus Taz one on one, and then Ed, yeah, and then Edge and Christian against. Um, give me, give me one of the ta- even even St- Storm and Awesome, which they did that match. Give me that match, but do it in a in a ladder match or something. It just makes no like you know I get. You know, it's almost like they wanted bodies on the card, and it was it's very much like a throw a dart at a wall, and this is the matches we're going to have. Oh, oh, and and I sorry, I left out I left out Raven as well. Right. Yeah. Okay. So so give me give me shit. Give me Raven against the Undertaker. Right. Give me Raven against Kurt Angle. Right. And like why. You know, granted, it's easy for us sitting here to kind of, but at the same time, like you've got all that talent. It's one of those, like we hear the argument even nowadays, you have all this talent and granted, you know, we, we were just saying off the air too, before this, like wrestling fans can be a, a fickle assholes if we, when we want to be, but this is one of those, you have all this talent and like people that we want to see and they're just not being utilized. Co- and, like, correct. 
that, that's and the I'm, thing. It's like that's yep. that's always the argument. That's what pisses me off is every time I hear someone that was part of booking this, part of WWF at the time, it's always the same thing. We didn't have Sting. We didn't have Flair. Okay, it, over and over and over again. Time Warner owned those contracts. Okay, everyone says the same damn thing over and over again. But look, just take the guys on this show. Shuffle it up. I mean, you know, you, you've got you've got – Booker T, you've got Steve Austin, The Undertaker, DDP, Kurt Angle, Rhino, RVD, Jeff Hardy. Matt Hardy was backstage, so he could have worked a tag match. Jericho, Taz, Edge, Christian, Raven, Tajiri. I mean, you have enough workers there. You have at least one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine you have nine hall of famers for sure and probably as many as like 12 so you shuffle this up a little bit and there's probably guys that for whatever reason they didn't put on the card that they have available to them dude come on well and this is one we should get into this because i have i have some booking uh kind of uh aftermath to discuss on this one and so So, yeah we we will get there so here's the deal. We're going to watch Invasion at the one hour and 22 minute mark on the dot. If you want to watch along with us, one hour, 22 on the dot. It's going to take place. Uh, we're, we're joining in on a, a little vignette at WWF New York, which we thought would be fun. And then, um, and this is on the network, obviously. And then we'll start with the match. So uh, let's jump right into the payoff. Oh, it's time for the payoff. All right, so here we are. Jeff, are you ready for this one? I'm ready, my, my friend. Look at the, like I forgot all about uh WWF the, New the York? WWF. Yeah, the Superstore Times Square. Dude, which, I, yeah. I just I just really um, wanted to watch this one. But what's great about that is, you know, for those of you who haven't been to New York City, this is right in the damn middle of Times Square. And that's how people forget just how big like wrestling was at this point. Like just crazy. Yeah. And so, so many fans lined up like in for this event right now. So they've got this this vignette where Bob Hawley rips the WCW shirt off of a fan. And the reason I wanted to show this is, I mean, the, the gist of it is this. WCW's bad. They're the heels. They suck. Boo. Well, then why would anyone watch a WCW show or care about them, right? You're just making them into a heel faction. Um, so it just discredits the whole brand. And they just never had a shot at this point. Well, and it's interesting too, like Rob Van Dam, like this is, I say in his prime, but the guy is still out there wrestling and doing what he does. And he, he's had a little bit of controversy with some of his uh, backstage uh, vignettes with, I don't know if it's his wives or his girlfriends or what they are, but um, he's gotten in some issues with that. And so, um, yeah, but all these guys too. And so here you've got Rob Van Dam showing a little bit of a backstage footage as they're coming out to the ring, RVD attacking Matt Hardy, um, before uh, their match with uh, the two of them right now. So we haven't talked about the Fink very often either. Look at like out there doing his thing. Like he's oh, that classic ring voice. Like I think we've brought him up very much, but that's one of those, like always good to see, uh, you know, him do out there doing his thing. Dude, I, I'll, one of my favorite like things of like wrestling when we were kids is when someone new would win the world championship and Howard Finkel and, and new. Oh, dude, I just yeah. I love that. Love it. All right. So, so they have the Alliance guys coming out on the left side. They've got the WWF guys coming out on the right side. Jeff, what'd you think of the uh, hardcore championship at this yeah, time? Yeah. And that's one. And this is, 
um, the classic, and that's something we haven't said yet. This is actually a hardcore match between these two. They get right into it too. As Hardy slides on the ring, I think that belt was one of the best belts ever in regards to look. I do too. Um, I loved it. And so, and they come out real hot in this match, like very quick start, a um, little bit of flippy shit there, Ooh. but it's okay. And so, yeah, just um, very, very fast though. Uh, yeah. I thought I missed that belt. I think that it's, uh, that I wish, you know, I didn't get the 24 seven is trying to kind of fill that gap a little bit, but um, it's one that I really wish that they would do something similar again. And so this right out of the gate, Again, they kind of backed off each other, but now right back at it again. The two of them kind of going at it. Yeah, I, I, I always go ahead, Jeff. As I say, I always that belt was just fantastic. The look of it was incredible. Well, here's one of the things I don't understand about this show either is the only, I mean, this was the only match on the show where you even had any kind of a gimmick. And I'm not saying you should have loaded it up with steps and gimmicks, but I mean, this is the only match that really had significant outside the ring stuff happening it was the only title match that's which true is, when you like looking at the card like we had some like singles match tag match other than like the braun panties match which can't really count that but um yeah this was the only when the hardcore title and like we said is the only car or, excuse me the only belt that's being defended on a pay-per-view like this that's been getting the build like this how does that make any sense like Agreed. it's just especially nowadays when you've got like night of champions which is like literally every single belt that they have which is just too many you know the card turns into a wrestlemania card there's just so many matches that are happening but it's crazy that this was the only one that had and jeff hardy is the current uh holder at least for now in this match um of that belt but it just doesn't make- Whoa, excuse me, doesn't make a ton of sense. Yeah, well, and this is, you know, this is still, you know, RVD still new to the, you know, all these guys, remember, they're all new to the quote-unquote WWF system, but, you know, it's just crazy to think that, you know, RVD still really trying to prove himself here. So, you know, obviously he'd become very popular, but he got himself over because the fans just love the guy and, you know, his work, is just different, right? I mean, even in this WWF style, he still was just a different presentation, different style of guy. So the fans, the fans, these are, these are two of those guys really that the fans made, right? I mean, fans love both these guys. They're two highly, oh, bam. Wow. RVD just taking a nasty spill from the top rope outside to the barricade. But these are just two of those guys that, Fans just love, man, like super popular guys. Do you remember, because again, we know you you make no secret, and I admit to you being the ECW expert out of the two of us, but do you remember your reaction, at least at the time when, you know, how did you feel about the fact that ECW wrestlers were now going to be a part of this and kind of seeing that transition? So that's, that's a great question. Like, what did I think of this at the time? Um, so remember, they, they, they first come out with... Awesome. So they first come out with the WCW guys, right? And you're like, man, this is so watered down. And I like the Shane Vince thing. I actually kind of dug that. Um, I remember the ECW guys came out. It was a shock and it was actually really cool. But I completely gave up on this whole thing as soon as they incorporated staff. 
because instead of letting Heyman be the mouthpiece, they had to have another McMahon in there. And Stephanie McMahon was like kind of like representing ECW. And I'm like, all right, this thing sucks. That's where it lost me. And it just, I just never got into this angle. I thought it was stupid. What about you? Yeah. And see, I did, again, you're the ECW one. I would say though that the, the WCW stuff, I remember not enjoying it at all. And I think that's because like, especially at the time, like I was sick, just sick of the McMahon stuff. And I'm still sick of the McMahon, which we haven't had a, a, a I say corporate angle in a while here. Uh, so we're probably about due um, as things kind of get back to normal eventually, whenever that's going to be. But um, yeah, I just didn't like, I didn't like it. And so, um, and kind of, you know, maybe it was, I kind of, I'm trying to remember back like, of like, just again, I think it was how they were treating some of the wrestlers that I wasn't getting to see who I wanted to see all the time. And so it just made it not as much fun. Yeah. And I, so I, so yeah, so you're, you and I kind of had the same impression where it was just like, all right, they're jam. This is just another McMahon storyline and the whole combining of WCW and ECW and the Alliance, that was stupid. Um, it just didn't work. I mean, if you were going to make them separate promotions, then make them separate promotions. But, you mm-hmm. know, they were just basically a heel faction. And once the McMahons were in it, I thought it was stupid. And that's one. Um, and so now we've, the two of them, uh, a few high spots kind of things happening. They're both laid out on the outside of the ring right now, but they're also again, hardcore match. So they're going for some pins on the outside as well too. So, um, you know, something a little different and kind of what they're doing. And, and this too, we're seeing some moves. Uh, he did a move a little bit ago, which we kind of see, you know, the wrestlers kind of walk on the outside of the padding and kind of, um, you know, kind of run across the top of it. It's one of the few times where Rob Van Dan actually jumped up from the other direction to meet him halfway. And so, and that's, we don't see that very often, which I wish somebody would bring that back. Well, the nice thing about this, it's, it's, it's a, it's the, the best incarnation of the hardcore title, which is we're going to have two guys have an extreme rules match, right? It's not hokey stuff. They're not hitting each other with a bunch of fake weapons. It's just two guys that are just taking it outside the ring and, and beating each other up. Can you, uh, we, we see uh, most of the crowd is actually standing right now. Jeff going for yeah. a, 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 a somersault as uh, our uh, RVD on the outside of the ring. Uh, they're all standing. Is the, what is the crowd reaction right now? Like, what are, uh, can, you, can you turn it up a little bit so everybody at home can kind of hear? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're all chanting "Holy shit!" They're all standing yeah, up. Yeah, so we're getting we're getting the "Holy shit" chance. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, and just a huge uh, power bomb, if you will, to the outside. Yeah, the somersault power bomb. Um, and hey, wrestling, hey, hey, Jeff, wrestling's pretty uh, pretty interesting with the crowd, huh? The uh, thank God too that uh, you know if they how, ever okay, find how, somewhere. How, how tall is that ladder? Because you said I was really good at estimating ladder sizes on a previous episode. That's that got to be 12 feet. That's at least a 12-footer. Yeah, because you figure even if he's six foot, it's at least, you know, about half of that. So, yeah, at least double or double that. So, um, I was going to say, thank God, too, they've never found. So, Hardy climbing to the top of the ladder again, um, as he does. And it's a 12-footer, but RVD getting back up. You just never know what you're going to get when Jeff Hardy's at the top of the ladder. And so trying to kind of maneuver his, his, his self at this point, I don't know why he's trying oh, to shit. Oh, yeah. And I have not, I have, I did not watch this match in my prep. I, sometimes I like watching the match. Ladder over. I don't. 
Yeah, I, I, it, it's fun. Not it's fun watching like the build up and the vignettes and stuff to these matches, but not watching the actual match until we record. It's or, you know like this one. I, I didn't remember that at all. It's a pretty nasty spill. It's about ten. So that was about a twelve foot drop with RVD pushing the ladder over, um, and then Hardy just taking it. So, but just gets up like it's not a big deal. But the point I was going to make is, thank God they've never found anywhere to store all these ladders and kendo sticks and and trash cans other than under the ring. Because what would wrestling be without all of it? Like just. Just crazy. Everybody with a, a, a steel chair at this point walking over to Jeff Hardy. Well, to my point, dude, everyone's standing. That This is what they wanted. They wanted some good wrestling. This is why you should have gave them Angle and Rhino beating the shit out of each other. Give me Jericho and Taz tearing it up. Like, let these guys actually work some great matches. So here's here's the thing, okay? I understand that you didn't have all the big-name stars and stuff. So make this invasion angle about great work. Make it about, okay, so you don't have Sting, but dude, you've got, you know, you've got these great wrestlers like the Jerichos and the Tazes and the Rhinos and the Angles of the world. Like, let them, let them just tear it up. You could have just tore it loose with some damn good wrestling and then done your storyline bullshit in the main event when you had Steve Austin turn on Vince. And then that would have closed the loop on the stupid WrestleMania storyline, 17 storyline as well. Yeah, and this is one like having all this. So again, going to the chair shots, RVD just so good. Like I don't like, and he's a Michigan native, just like myself too. And so, Battle um, Creek. I, I always appreciated the Michigan pop. Um, this is interesting too because you don't see this setup very well. Actually, AEW does it a little bit, but and you talked about it right in the opening. But this kind of split entrance way. Yeah. Um, like that it's kind of like a v shape and like tom said each of the wrestlers coming out of each side but you don't get that kind of open area like you used to like kind of different setups for pay-per-views and things like that and it, it makes sense too with invasion the v like all these different things like um it's kind of it, it's uh, bolded on the uh, uh, uh or on the side of the ring which why is the ref carrying the belt with him i, I just don't know that. it's a great point like, and so that for viewers at home or no, people not watching, the referee is actually carrying the hardcore belt with him around the outside of the ring. They're going for pinfall attempts on the ramp and they kind of trying to get each other. But I, I don't think I've ever seen a ref carry the belt like that. One of the things I used to really enjoy was back in the day. Oh, those are terrible punches by RVD. I think he just completely oh, yeah, missed the first three. Um, one of my favorite things was back in the day when every pay-per-view had a really distinct and unique entrance. Even WCW used to do it. Remember like Bash at the Beach? I missed Bash that. Bash at the Beach was the best, yeah. Oh, I know. I, I missed those just incredible entrances. So uh, Jeff did a blade job when he took the uh, chair shot to the face. Now he's bleeding. And that was the uh, one of my favorites too was always the uh, Halloween Havoc. And I think that's part of like you and I have talked about it. Like there's just no, there's like no distinguishing between a week to week show and, you know, a normal show. And I get like, times are weird right now. Like, you know, we're post post mania at this point. Things have just been either weird in wrestling. There's no other way to put it, but you know, that might be something. I mean, why get rid of pyro for so long? We didn't have pyro and then fans, we all lost our shit when we got pyro back because we liked it. Like I know, but I no but sense. I really and I but I really oh it's a great German suplex. Um I but I really miss just those awesome entrances that they used to do, just like great themes. Dude, I think back to some I mean they had some incredible ones. You start thinking about like this era, they, they just mm-hmm. did awesome themes for all that stuff. 
They just stopped doing it. And we've talked about themes in the past and kind of how that is, but yeah, it's just, and it's part of it that, you know, and I get, they're making more money than ever right now from, I know, but, that, but know. it probably saves them a fortune to just bring the same, you know, the same general set to every show, but I miss it, man. I get that. And so that's again, what I enjoy. Look, crowd back on, look, there comes the senton. Hardy going to the top rope. Missed it. He doesn't miss the senton very often. No, and Dude, why is he? Can... Why is he or Swanton? Why is he? Why is he still do that move, man? He's he's going to be in a wheelchair. Well, and he with everything he's dealt with. So again, like <laughs> RVD up top again. He does that in one hop, which is pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, and the big frog smash with the belt draped over Jeff Hardy. Um, RVD going for the frog splash and hitting it. Remember when Mike Adam called him Jeff Harvey? Remember when Mike Adam called him Jeff Harvey? Yeah. Jeff Harvey. He'd carry that clipboard around because he didn't know the product and he just mispronounced stuff. That was horrible. What was it? Uh, Mark Mark Marrow. Uh, or Mark Moreau, um, whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, we mess up too. Uh, Tom, you would have no experience with calling someone by their wrong name. Heaven forbid that you do something like that ever. Uh, so, um, that was, uh, yeah, just ridiculous. So, um, good stuff here. Again, we got RVD winning. Uh, they're kind of just doing post-match stuff here. So Tom, you're ready to kind of get into the aftermath. Talk about that a little bit. Cause I got a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Let's get into the aftermath. Oh, it's time for the aftermath. All right, Jeff, what'd you think? So great stuff. Like, as we said, I think the match, uh, it, it kept going. Like it didn't really have any downtime, which I think that, um, if story dictates it, that's one thing when you've got like two just superstars and legends, um, really there's, you know, the, the RVD giving it to the crowd. Um, I think if, you know, they're beat up to or beat each other up and kind of struggling, I think that's one thing when you have that downtime, but otherwise I think this match was good. It just kept going. It didn't really have any downtime. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I, I did too. And I mean, it, it really, it really, it just shows you, I don't care what era you're in wrestling fans want good wrestling. And so, you know, you had this garbage show up to this point, you get these two guys beating the shade eat out of each other, they're doing some high flying moves on the outside. They, they bring a ladder in. I'm not saying every match can be like that, but when you get good wrestling, guess what? Fans stand up, they make noise, they cheer, they get excited, they have more fun than when they're watching garbage. So this show could have been better had you had three or four just great wrestling matches on there, even if you weren't as bought into the storyline as you could be, even if there wasn't a natural rivalry with these guys. So it just shows you these fans just wanted two guys, even if there wasn't a ton of you know personal heat between them, to just go out and tear it down. And this is the only match on this show that accomplished that. I think that's one of those where, like, I think that's why I am kind of drawn to New Japan as much as I am, is they can tell a story in the ring over, you know, 30 to 60 minutes. Um, It's just tough right now because there's so many promos. And for so long, we're used to seeing these wrestlers. You know, you got to have a crowd reaction. You got to have those types of things happening that, you know, 
that they play off of. And like, and, and we don't have that right now, which is just difficult because I think there's a lot of wrestlers and even, I, you know, I didn't, I don't know how I would do it either. Like, you know, that just, they don't know how to play to not having that. And so you do have some, which I saw there was some chatter, like Kevin Owens was, a, um, you know, getting some praise actually, because he always kind of jaws and stuff when he's in the ring and he did it a lot. Um, you know, in his indie days. And so you're starting to hear that a little bit more, but then there's some wrestlers, you know, and, and you've said it, I think, yeah, I think you've said it before. Like, uh, I'm not sure who's on or on the show or not, but like wrestlers cutting a promo into the camera. Like it's just a lost art. Like why they can't do that more often. Like, and you know, we, you and I were talking praises or for a few weeks back at this point, like, you know, pre WrestleMania, like the undertaker promo where he's just kind of like talking into the camera. It's one of the better promos in years, even though we don't get to see him all that often. So it's just one of those where, yeah, I think that, um, you know, these guys and this, you know, the, the, even the quick story they told and just the quality of the match. And it was just great wrestling. There's no other way to cut it. Jeff, who's your favorite athlete of all time? Favorite athlete of all time. Oh boy. I, uh, I, Michigan race. And so probably Steve Eiserman has always been a, I've always been a huge fan of, so I'll probably say Stevie, Stevie Y. Okay. So Steve Eiserman is getting ready for the Stanley cup and, um, they're playing against, uh, the New York Rangers and it's going to be an incredible cup, uh, great series. Everyone's looking forward to it. And he's being interviewed, and he just talks about how excited he is, how this means more to him than anything. As a kid, he dreamed about hoisting the cup. He had a fake little cup that he'd run around his uh, local rink with and, and carry around like he had just won. That's all it has to be, right? Sometimes we overthink this shit. And it's like, it's so, I mean, just you know, again, to your point about looking in the camera, you know, we, we make this, we make this whole wrestling business more complicated than it needs to be sometimes. So, um, let's, let's, I want to know how, well, Absolutely. yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously there's a lot that happens with kind of this story and this whole Alliance thing. So walk us through what happens for each of these guys. And then let's talk about the reviews. Yeah. And so I'll get into, of course, and we, we touched on it briefly during the match, but RVD actually came into this match as the heel, but he was that kind of reverse heel where the fans knew who he was, knew what he was all about. So he would get cheered like crazy. It was very much the, the anti-hero. And so um, after this match, him and Hardy actually had a little bit of back and forth with the hardcore title, which led to some pretty good matches. Actually, um, there was an episode of raw where they had a match. It was actually SummerSlam or he lost it on raw, but he, uh, RVD got it back at SummerSlam slam so this is kind of a summer you know a couple months here program where the two of them just had a little bit of a back and forth with this but along the way uh rvd really he wrestled the top of the mountain and so um against wwf you had kane the undertaker kurt angle the rock Stone Cold, like he had, you know, all kinds of matches with all those different people, and so um, he actually was probably one of the more popular guys uh, that was out there doing this. Um, and he actually faced The Rock for the championship a couple times, um, as well as Steve Austin for the championship. And so um, it was him and Kurt Angle on that one. Actually, that was a, you know another interesting match. And so um, you had that, but then you also had some some kind of different um, kind of played out weird where there was a SummerSlam. 
SummerSlam match with you had uh, the Alliance and WWF wrestlers, and there was a winner take all. And at the time, uh, the Alliance wrestlers were, you know, quote unquote, fired. But, uh, you know, because RVD had the hardcore title, he was able to keep his job. It just kind of played out weird. So he, he was very involved in a lot of storylines with a lot of big name wrestlers at this point um, and just being out there and, and being involved. And so um, Jeff Hardy on the flip side here, um, again, same thing, like you know, taking on Jerry Lynn, Triple H, Mike Awesome, RVD, you know, different bunch of different times. These guys just kind of played off each other really well. But um, it was actually the end of the year. It was kind of interesting how this played out that uh, Matt and Jeff Hardy actually feuded each other. You had Lita, again, our spe- we, we don't get enough special guest referees nowadays. Lita was a special guest referee. It was at Vengeance, actually. Um, we need to get some more uh, special referees. But, um, you know, it, what you had is, you know, uh, uh, Matt, or excuse me, Jeff beating Matt, um, you know, some kind of different back and forth with the two of them feuding, but it was weird how this kind of played out because, um, they were feuding kind of kept going back and forth. You actually had the undertaker involved with like, you know, Lita and both the, the Hardys and things like that. And, you know, the two of them were feuding, but the undertaker was all involved. The feud itself was really weird because what you had, though, was that the two of them, and we were talking about this just a little bit before everything, or, you know, in the, in the build, that you had these guys that were feuding, and then it just kind of went away, uh, you know, leading up until the, the Royal Rumble of 2002. The reason, though, that the, 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 the feud just kind of fizzled and it didn't really go anywhere is, again, like, they just didn't like the, the, everything I was reading was they didn't have any storylines for these guys. And so, and they came back and how many times this happens, you know, they came back and they were a team again. And so this goes back to the point we were making earlier with these guys is like, how do you not like, it's just so odd that they don't have storylines for these guys. Like you can do a feud with Matt and Jeff and Lita. Like, I don't know why, you know, it, there's no reason to not keep that going. Or even if it's just kind of like a sea level storyline, there's no harm in that because those guys are going to go out there and put on good matches no matter what. Um, and it was interesting because then after that, you even had the Hardys after they did come back, this was like kind of that, uh, 2002 spring, April, May, June-ish type time, actually, you know, March, April, May, they were actually feuding with Brock, which kind of leads into some future storylines. Um, and it was actually Brock's first televised match. Um, and so that's a story for a different time, but, um, you know, interesting that they were kind of involved in that kind of playing that up. And so, but, um, just weird, like kind of that storyline, like, you know, how many times, like, especially nowadays in the age of Twitter and things like that, we all remember everything. There's always someone, there's always a tweet for something or kind of a post on something, but just this this time, just the storyline was kind of dropped and that was it. And so, and I came back in their team again, which I, you know, I prefer them as a team anyways, but just, you know, both guys, you know, successful out there doing what they do, but just, you know, kind of odd storylines though. Yeah, well, and I'll, you know, it's interesting The the only other thing I'll add to that is, you know, in terms of what they did with some of the talent that was around for this, uh, you know, initial invasion, if you will. So the following month, uh, we're, we're at SummerSlam 2001. So that's where they introduced some more titles. Uh, you know, you had mentioned that RVD defeated Jeff Hardy in a ladder match for the hardcore title. So that's the continuation of that one. Um, we got X-Pac and Tajiri. We got Jericho and Rhino. Edge and Lance Storm. Um, 
Angle defeating uh, Austin uh, by DQ, Austin's year WWF champion, and then The Rock defeating Booker T for the WCW championship. So again, they're trying, but eh, not that great. And we only had a couple more months left before, again, Survivor Series when this thing all ends. So the following month is Unforgiven. That's in Pittsburgh. I was at this show, Jeff. And uh, there, there's a couple you know, interesting things here. Um, Kurt Angle, the hometown guy, would beat Steve Austin for the WWF Championship um, in a very, you know, happy ending um, for that show. And, you know, kind of people were going nuts in Pittsburgh. Um, Christian and Edge had a match, which was just two WWF guys. You're starting to get away from this WWF alliance. But every other match on the show was a WWF guy against an alliance guy. So they're, they're still basically doing this one faction versus another um, at another pay-per-view. Okay. They had some tag teams involved in a tag team match. Van Dam uh, retained his hardcore championship against Chris Jericho. So again, they're trying, but it's just, we're losing steam on this thing. And then uh, we had the no mercy pay-per-view uh, headlined by Steve Austin retain or regaining the WWF championship against angle and Rob Van Dam in a triple threat match. Jericho defeating the rock for the WCW championship. I mean, my God, just, you know, we're all over the place here. And then finally, this all comes to an end at survivor series, 1991. I'm sorry. At 2001, um, man. And then after all that, who comes back in uh, February, we get Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, which would lead us into rock versus Hogan. So the classic. Yes. Yeah, man. Just a, uh, just an interesting time in the biz. Uh, walk us through store. Um, uh, the reviews here. I'm, I'm curious what we uh, had for this one. So this was interesting. I kind of, we don't always talk about the PWI and the kind of, you know, where wrestlers rank, but I thought for the, the hell of it, not, you know, with the coronavirus downtime, I had a little bit extra time to kind of look up some of these matches and kind of, you know, where some of these wrestlers ranked, but, um, interesting. So in 2001, I was just kind of curious, um, Hardy was ranked 17th in RVD, um, or excuse me. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'll, let me start that over because I got all my my numbers wrong here. Anyways, in two thousand one, RVD was fifty ninth and Hardy was seventeenth. At the end of two thousand two, RVD was the PWI number one wrestler. Really, and, and so at this time, from he had a huge jump from kind of where he was to where he got. And like having all of that, and I want, I'm going to double check it because I'm not trusting my own numbers now. Yeah. That he, yeah, he was 59th in 2001 and one in 2002, which is huge. It's a crazy jump. And then you've got the Hardys, both of them, but Jeff Hardy in 2002 was 32. So the year after this, you had these guys that like they were a top 50, but I was shocked that RVD was the top wrestler in 2002, the year after this. And so like, not to say that he doesn't deserve it, but I just didn't realize that that was the caliber of match that he was putting out there. 
And so I think that's something to kind of think about that. This was like, I'm, I'm giving his 2002 numbers that, you know, he was still, um, even before that, still a good wrestler. He had a lot, you know, doing all of his time in, in ECW and things like that. But again, in 2001 though, which, you know, just the year before that though, um, you know, it, it's just how this all played out and how they got to this point. I thought, you know, it's just giving us really good quality stuff. And so um, this match itself, though, um, this one, I couldn't find a whole lot from the Pro Wrestling Torch, but Observer Newsletter, Tom's favorite um, uh, dirt sheets, uh, Dr. Meltzer. Um, this one, the fans did rank this match as the match of the night by just an absolute landslide. I'm getting 460 votes over 44 for the main event in this one, which kind of tells you how everybody felt about this. Um, interesting, you know, kind of how that played out. Um, you know, it just weird. And so, but again, like some of the write-ups here is like loud RVD chants. RVD took a scary bump on the post to the floor a few minutes in. Uh, they brawled in the crowd. Um, just kind of interesting how that played out. Crowd chanted, holy shit, after uh, that one. And that was the power bomb off the apron, which you guys kind of heard. Um, just kind of interesting. But then kind of the, the final kind of piece this year was they did give this one four stars. Uh, we all know how much we love stars around here. So they gave it the four stars on this one. But um, the interesting thing, it kind of it, um, a damn good match. I like this far better than almost any of RV or yeah, RVD's ECW matches, mainly because. Oh, come do, on. Give me a break. Mainly because he seemed to do a better job choosing his spots and didn't throw out every single move in the world. Most of his ECW matches numbed me. This one was just very entertaining. I wonder which of those lines you were going to pop at. You went earlier than I expected. But Come uh, on. His stuff, in, his stuff in ECW, and it didn't matter who he wrestled. They put him out there for 20 minutes, and it was some of the best shit you've ever seen. So bagging on his work in in ecw i mean there were made there were there were shows where you know there'd be like two guys that showed up drunk and another guy that was injured and they throw rvd out there in the main event against jerry lynn for 30 minutes and they tear down the damn house so to sit there and say that all his ecw stuff was bad or whatever terminology he used give me a fucking break yeah so and then kind of the, the last little piece of this, if it wasn't for Van Dam and Hardy, it probably would have been considered a bad show, but good and bad on this show is something best determined in a few weeks by if the Austin angle draws money this time. It and didn't. So it's it spoiler didn't. alert. Yeah. So, um, he's, so you kind of have that, but I don't think you need to, what, like, I don't think Austin, Austin didn't have anything to do with this angle. Though. Oh, so bad. I mean, like, what did I tell you, man? You think about it. After WrestleMania 17, up until the time Steve Austin retired, you're hard-pressed to remember anything that he did. I mean, it, it sucked. Yeah, it really was. But and so, so four stars on this one. Um, I'll kind of get right into our score. You all know yeah. we kind of base it on whatever we want. We really don't give a shit. We just kinda... we talk about the build, the payoff, the aftermath, the crowd, everything. So it, we yes, we so. do give a shit. We just have different criteria. Yeah, they, it's a long list of shit that we kind of debase it on. So uh, I'm gonna jump right out. I'm gonna give it a seven only because I wish it was more hardcore. 
for because especially at this time there was a lot like hard oh, listen to you you just hang need blood and guts yeah I, i'm being i'm pulling the blood and guts angle on this one because i think that at this time hardcore had a different definition than it has us sitting here on uh rob van dam's uh you know day, the day of rob van dam if you will so um yeah i think that you know while there was some kind of crazy spots there was some chair things like i thought it was actually fairly low key as a hardcore match there really wasn't a ton of like <laughs> for those at home watching tom's reaction right now i'm gonna be interested in what you say on the flip side of this one but uh yeah i'm gonna give it a seven just because i think i wanted more but it was still a good match tom so you know this show outside of this match sucked um it should have been booked a lot better given the talent that was in that building that night. Um, I understand that you had some limited resources, but there's still better that you could have done. Um, there really wasn't much of a build to this match or really any of these matches. The match was, was pretty good. I liked it. Uh, my payoff score on this is a six and a half. Um, you know, it, it was a good match. I mean, you you know, it was, it was fun. It was a fun 12-minute match. It was the best thing on this show. Um, but, it, again, it, it's not something that was spectacular. Nothing that occurred during these six months was any good. I mean, it was just a lot of garbage, man, uh, unfortunately. And there were some really, really talented professional wrestlers that were on these respective rosters, and they just didn't use them. Yeah, it's tough. You know, in the hindsight, 2020 at this point, you know, this is almost a 20 year old match at this point. And so just kind of seeing how, you know, especially I, I will say it does kind of speak to the the longevity of some of these wrestlers that almost all of them in that main event, like I said, at the start here, have been involved to some degree. And yeah, like I said, it was a good match. Um, it was, I was gone. I was glad we covered because this match is typically listed to as one of Rob Van Dam's, it, like his top match. Um, and so um, a lot of, of course, room for debate on that one, but um, typically at a lot of the, the top lists and things like that. So um, just kind of- Yeah, and, 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 by, and by those standards, I would say that having watched this for the first time in shit, probably 19 years, um, right. it's, it's, it's an overrated match. I think the only reason people remember this match being so good is because- 770,000 people bought this pay-per-view. There was a lot of interest for it. And it, you know, it stuck out on a bad card. I mean, it's the prettiest girl in the bar and all of them are ugly. Right. Yeah. And so um, sometimes, you know, that, that's just what you got to get. So um, any final thoughts on this one, Tom, before we take it home again this week? I think I closed it out pretty good with my I think last you did. Yeah. I, I, we're going to move forward from that one. So, um, of course you can always find, um, Rob, both guys on Twitter doing their thing. You got Rob Van Dam. He's the real RVD. Um, so make sure to check him out there. Uh, of course he's on Instagram as well too. Uh, his Instagram gets a little bit more activity, but, uh, maybe a little 18 plus some days too, depending. Yeah. On- is he still doing that thing where he like poses with, uh, like six porn stars in a uh, hot tub? Uh, that those photos still happen quite a bit too. But then I, again, I don't know if it's his girlfriend or his, I don't know what they are, but anyways, good for him though. Rob, uh, Rob Van Dam, happy 420 to RVD either way. Um, and then of course you got, uh, Jeff Hardy, uh, he's just at Jeff Hardy brand. Um, make sure to check him out there too. He's always 
doing his stuff as well. So um, good stuff. Like I said, this, overall, this was a fun one to cover. I'm glad we did somebody a little bit different. Um, one that you and I had been wanting to cover and had on the list for a while. So uh, this one was exciting. So Tom, any kind of final uh, final thoughts here before we uh, leave and uh, celebrate 420 in our own ways, however that might be? No, I just thank you for joining us on the whole effing show. The payoff. <laughs> <laughs>